Hi, this is Mark Woods. I'm back with another Page One podcast, and David Bauerlein. I think this is back-to-back weeks, which might be a first. Um, that's you're, you're just our, our star with uh, two weeks in a row. Um, a different topic. Uh, last week we were talking uh, about Jacksonville crime. Um, the big talker over the weekend, our Sunday story was, if landing falls, what comes next? Um, and yeah, I liked your lead that uh, demolish it and they will come, or that's kind of the uh, kind of the expectation of city leaders so explain what played out last week well in a nutshell it was one of the things that kind of comes slowly and all at once right they're in court they're in court they're in court and then suddenly there's a settlement agreement that's been put forward by the mayor and uh by tony slayman whose family owns the landing in essence the city would pay tony slayman and his family 15 million dollars to settle a lawsuit between the two that's been going back and forth over really the fate and future of the landing and who would be able to control development. The city also would put up $1.5 million to handle the termination of subleases. There still are some businesses that are there. And then the last thing is $1.5 million to demolish it. We're sort of, you read between the lines, okay, the city wants to tear it down and do something new on the site. That's kind of where it stands. It still needs city council to approve it. So city council is going to decide, number one, is the cost justified in terms of settling the agreement on those terms? And then, uh, to some extent, do they want to agree to the demolition funding? Are they ready to tear it down? There's really no plan at this point by the city to say, okay, tear it down, and here's what's going to happen, other than this expectation, which is kind of alluded to, which is <laughs> if we tear it down, downtown's hot, there's going to be investors who are really willing to come up and really take advantage of being able to develop on such a prime central riverfront site in downtown right um and it was kind of the the reaction was kind of fascinating to this news because here's a place since uh, you know I, I came here in 2001 um as long as i've been here people have been kind of complaining about the landing it's you know it's not living up to expectations and it just has gotten worse and worse and worse to the point that i don't think anybody would argue you know what we have right now there is what we want um, but the idea of tearing it down got not a lot of people, you know, blow it up quickly, do it tomorrow if you could. Right. But there's also other folks. I mean, you quoted um, um, Steve Williams uh, had a good quote. I, I keep hearing people say we don't have an identity and we don't have a story. And then the next thing you know, they tear our story down. So, so you had some of that sentiment in here. You know, Talk about that. What um, folks feel like maybe we're, we're a little quick on this. There's no doubt this is one of the most recognizable buildings in downtown from all the NFL broadcasts that have shown it and just from people going downtown. You know, it's, it stands out. It's the, the orange or copper roofs, whichever <laughs> one you want to say. Steve Williams, I didn't mention this in the story, but he talked about how he worked in a kiosk there when he was growing up. <laughs> people have shopped there, eaten food there. It's one of those things that everybody can ha- kind of have an opinion about it. And so there is this group out there that feels like the city in general has been too quick on the trigger to tear down buildings, and uh, in particular, tear down buildings without having a good idea or plan of what to do next with the vacant land. So he's in that group. And so the landing is one place where there seems to be this sentiments coalescing. They got a petition drive. 
And there are people who would like to say, well, maybe there is something we can do. Okay, maybe it's not going to work as it was originally ideas, but there's ideas trying to do what like Seattle did with the big big food festival marketplace, mm-hmm. farmer's market type of thing. You know, you have some equivalent of a grocery store for downtown for people who are moving in there. Uh, in the past, there's been talk about doing it offices, you know, and having people move in there as offices. Uh, so there are many ideas out there. Um, how would you test that? I guess you could do an RFP for the property and just open it up and let everybody say, here's what I would do on the property. If you tear it down, this is what I would do. If you left it up, this is what I'd do. And maybe that's an option for the city. I think that's what the people would like. Do you want to save it? Would like the city do is put it out there and just test the market. See if anybody comes up with a plan that works. Right. Uh, another person you quoted was uh, Ennis Davis, urban mm-hmm. planner, who I always found his insight and kind of historical perspective and kind of modern urban planning is always interesting. And what what was his reaction on this? Well, Ennis was very much in the same boat, which is the city has been tearing down buildings over a long period of time, historically. And that over time, that's just deprived the city of a downtown character because the buildings are its character. You tear down the buildings and what do you have left? And that certainly has happened. I mean, across the street from us, there's the Brooklyn neighborhood. Well, that was all, a lot of buildings got torn down up and down Riverside Avenue to make way for that. Uh, the La Villa neighborhood was a big urban renewal project where a lot of uh, houses were torn down. And then even now as we speak, I mean, downtown, you've got the old city hall old city hall and the old courthouse. They're being torn down. Uh, the JEA building is one that, potentially could get torn down and a lot of people say well there's architectural value and you know what that's been a part of our skyline for a long time uh some smaller examples are the greyhound building which the city didn't have anything to do with but the old greyhound bus terminal well that got torn down well that was a part of the landscape you know they'll say well isn't there something you can do there other than just tear it down and turn it what's there now another Mm -hmm. parking lot is it possible to get somebody to come in there and reuse that for some other use such as offices or whatever other cities have done this to some extent and you know their whole argument is that the the default position seems to be this is ennis's position well i don't like how it looks it's kind of ugly so let's tear it down and you know there was a time where the old main library was in that category it was right but it was actually a move to tear down the property create space where another high-rise apartment tower could go next to 11 East Forsyth, which was a building that was vacant, was preserved and saved. And then there was a push by people who said, no, I mean, you may not like the architecture. I may like the architecture, but you know what? Whether we like it or hate it, that was a part of Jacksonville's architectural history. We should save that kind of stuff. The Jesse Paul DuPont Fund went in, and now everyone's it's a great-looking building. They did a fantastic job renovating it. It's going to be around for decades. That is an interesting one because I have to say – um, when people were fighting to save that, I probably was among those going, eh, you know, I don't know about it. I don't love it. And, and you know, it, it had this feel that uh, didn't appeal to me. And um, But then when they renovated it and things popped in a different way and I think they restored some of the original features that had just become tired um, – now I walk into it and I think that's a beautiful building and it would have been a shame if we had lost it. So I'm probably one of those folks who, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't I don't know if I'd say the same thing about the landing because it is almost hard 
to envision. It's just there's a lot of baggage there, and there's a lot of um, it has just looked dated for quite a while. But people can do, and as points out, places that um, have taken places that have become weathered and tired, and and what they've done with them to bring them back to life. So there, it is an interesting argument. Um, the, the price tag you, you got into that in the story uh, fifteen million um, for the property, and um, then the three extra three million um, for the leases. Uh, the arguments for and against that. Um, you say it was Slayman, Tony Slayman bought it for five million. Is that correct? And right in two thousand three. So he bought it for five million dollars in two thousand and three. I don't think you can find anybody who says the condition, the physical condition of the landing is better now than it was back then compared to what it is now in terms of occupancy back in 2003 it was a gold mine right it had right. You know, the food court was full you know a lot of the shops were full and they weren't doing gangbusters business and obviously the the writing was on the wall but you look at it and go well in what way is it really worth 15 million dollars now if it was only worth five million dollars when it was purchased and the duval county property appraiser in fact has the what they consider the market value it's four million dollars so mm-hmm. they're saying we think in a in an arm's length transaction that's what somebody would would get mm-hmm. and uh you know nate monroe our colleague wrote a column where he sort of posed the question does anybody really believe that if tony slayman put the landing up for 15 million dollars today it would sell for 15 million dollars which is right so the, the counter argument for that is that you know, he does have a long-term lease that goes through, I think, 2056 or 2057. That has some value, and there's some opportunities that someone with that kind of a lease could have for future revenue. It's not guaranteed he'd get any revenue, but there's some opportunities he would have had through having that lease. And then, uh, and then you know, they needed to settle. If they were going to settle this lawsuit, rather than, you know, forcing him to trying to force the property out of his grip mm-hmm. there had to be some accommodation on both sides so it was a quote win-win so i think those are the factors that went into it but yeah, 15 million dollars is a lot more than five right. and again you just have to ask yourself if tony slayman put a for sale sign on for 15 million dollars would anybody really be willing to step up and purchase a landing for that amount right and it was interesting to see the uh, the photo of the, uh, tony slayman and mary curry both Thumbs up, you know, best buds, smiling. Um, you know, they've been butting heads for a while now. Right. And um, so, yeah, then the question, you know, which is, I don't expect you to answer this. It's hard to figure, but was, was there politi- political calculus involved in this that um, to get this done right now because of the election and also to have an adversary turned into, not an adversary right at this moment, um, that's that's a question I know you can't necessarily answer, but that's one that has been talked about for sure. You know, my own sense is that that probably was not a big factor in the timing, uh, just because, uh, yes, he's they, they have been butting heads. Obviously, Tony Slayman supported Alvin Brown when Alvin was seeking re-election and Lenny Curry defeated him in the last mayor's race. So uh, political antagonist during that last campaign. Yeah, I've don't know that voters were out there asking why is the landing still Mm -hmm. not resolved when we're heading into the election i just didn't hear it very much as a big issue on the campaign trail so i don't i don't know there's anything that's really 
that really resolve some big political mm-hmm. dialogue that was going on. Um, it does show that he was able to follow through on what he said he was going to do, which was have the city retake control of the landing at a cost. So that can be debated whether it's too right. high or not. Which leads to um, yeah, the, the obvious next question. So the, um, as you said, city council, this is going to go before it. So you had in your story some reaction. Uh, maybe start with uh, what, did, what did Matt Schellenberg say? Sure. So Matt's basically one of those who's saying, Okay, you tell me it's eighteen million dollars to settle the suit, tear it down, move tenants. Well, tell me what what else it's going to cost after that? Because certainly it's going to cost an additional amount of money to redevelop it, to have the city taxpayers be part of whatever public private partnerships there. Tell me what you're going to do next. What mm-hmm. what's what's chapter two of this? So we don't spend this eighteen million and then find out oh there's another large cost as a result of tearing it down in order to find a way to get it reused. So Matt is definitely wanting to know what's next, what's it going to be, what future costs might taxpayers have for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg talk, Anderson was in the same – That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you Greg to Greg Anderson it. was the same way, which was saying he felt like you could probably – he was open uh, to the administration making what Greg felt like would probably be a pretty good case for the terms of the settlement – but what's next? Tell me what's going to come afterwards. What's your thinking on what we do after we uh, resolve this and settle it? Right. And then um, Garrett Dennis, who I, I don't think he and the mayor have agreed on much in the last mm-hmm. few years, but it, he it wasn't uh, completely critical of this, correct? Is that right? You're- no. I mean, seemed to say on the first blush, it looked like it was moving in the right direction. I uh, had some questions about the timing of it, which we talked about before in terms of the politics. And I'm not saying there wasn't that as a part of the timing mm-hmm. who knows but i'm just saying it didn't seem like that was an, a big part of the calculus in terms of why they came to the settlement when they did and, and gary talked to you about uh, wanting to make sure the tenants who are there have some sort of uh, get treated fairly in terms of a transition from being where they are now to you know whatever's next for them as well right and yeah the, the kind of the fascinating i mean i think every it's like one of those pieces of property that um a lot of things there could be news and people wouldn't people wouldn't talk about it or care about it this is one of those where people get passionate in in opinions so the next thing if this plays out is i think there's going to be a lot of passionate views about what that space should be um so we don't have any idea yet what that's that's part of the issue of your your story you said you know, take it down, and we'll 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 go on after that. So, right. any inklings of what it could be? No, other than <laughs> <laughs> other than there's been two versions that have been out there, right? So there was the one that Mayor Curry put out in the summer of last year, which basically was uh, turned most of that park that's tracked into a green space park, walking trails, places like lawns where you can hang out on a picnic blanket. And then have a couple of small buildings away from the river, as far away from the river as you could possibly be on that riverfront tract. So if you look at that from an aerial view, it really is a park mm-hmm. with a couple of buildings on the back that might be you know, not real tall, have mm-hmm. a rooftop bar, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, now, the other thing that came out when Tony Slayman was meeting with the city a few years ago was much more uh, a more intensive use for a buildings there he was talking about in apartments 
multi-story apartments with some ground floor retail and restaurants, and then a second building, which might be a hotel or might be a museum. Uh, there would still be green space, but not as much green space. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there will be somewhere in between those two is right. where we'll end up. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems strange that the administration would not have that as part of their public dialogue at this point, saying, mm-hmm. yes, if you tear it down, here's where we want it. They've talked to – they've said, well, the idea – that the concept that was put out last summer was, quote, just an idea. So we don't really know what they want to right. do there. Uh, and, of course, we're very interested because it's going to be – now right across the street from That's us. That's right, exactly. We, we are moving uh, another <laughs> month or so to uh, the Wells Fargo building. So that, uh, yeah, we were anticipating, I think we're, we're on the second floor, and we? so uh, we were anticipating our view being of that copper or gold or right. orange or whatever roof. Right. Um, but I guess that probably will not be, maybe will not be the, the long-term view. So what will we, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, I'm going to vote for something that's not too tall because I don't want <laughs> Maybe give us a view of the river. Um, yeah, I think there are some there's some height restrictions on that property. Okay, you can't good, go too high, good. so that limits. You know, you can't put like a twelve, fourteen, fifteen story building on there. Interesting. Uh, if you did, then probably some of those building owners on the other side might say, "Well, we, you know, right. we need some compensation if you're going to deprive our tenants of that riverfront view." Right. So that could be a factor as too, and it just wouldn't make sense. I don't think to have like a real tall building there. You want something kind of lower where the riverfront is. Right. Even though that, as we've said again and again, it doesn't look like it should. There, There is a certain vantage when I'm on the South Bank looking or when I'm paddleboarding downtown and I look at from a distance at the landing even now. Um, it's a beautiful view, kind of framing the entryway to the, you know our, our Wells Fargo building and the other the, the, the high rises downtown. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, it will be fascinating to see what this plays out, and this is one people care about. So, You know, I, I used to walk all the time from the Times Union building to the landing for lunch mm. at the food court, and it's got the best view of downtown mm-hmm. and the waterfront from there, from any building in downtown. And then slowly, fewer and fewer businesses, the food court. So now we're finally moving, Mark, where we're <laughs> going to be right across the street from the landing, and the food court is closed. Right. So, right. you know, you can't figure out these things Well, you sometimes. need to start lobbying for, let's see, what do you want to eat at lunch every day? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thanks, David. Um, thank you very much. Good story. And, uh, you know, stay in touch with David's story on Jacksonville.com and in, in the Times Union. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.